This is the Savvy Social Podcast, a show for entrepreneurs, business owners, creatives, and marketers looking for the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and my goal is to help you create connections and build a community by keeping social media simple and fun with the focus on helping you make your difference in the world. Now, this show is brought to you by Traject Social, which is the world's most complete social media management tool, and it's my tool of choice when it comes to things like scheduling managing, and especially reporting on social media. You can try them out for yourself for free by going to trajectsocial.com. And that link will be in the show notes. We are at episode 101, and I'm excited about today's guest, who is Lee Shea McDonough. So Lee is the CEO and founder of Coach with Clarity, which is a membership site for intuitive and heart-centered coaches. She's also the host of the Coach with Clarity podcast and the author of the number one Amazon book, Act on Your Business. After over a decade as a clinical social worker and public health professional, Lee became credentialed as as a coach through the International Coach Federation and now provides ICF accredited continuing coaching education for intuitive and heart-centered coaches. Her Coach with Clarity framework fuses meaning, mindset, and mindfulness with grounded intuition and a solid business strategy to help coaches and clients excel at entrepreneurship and transform their lives. Now, Leah and I sit down to chat all about how she uses social media to build her business, specifically her Facebook group strategy, which is very interesting. She also launched her podcast on social media and I As a member of this Avi Social School, she used our launch plan to launch her show with great success, which we talk about in this episode. And we talk about Lee's approach to social media and how her difference really helps her stand out and really helps her connect with her potential audience. So without further ado, let's dive into this interview with Lee Shea McDonough. Hey, Lee, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I mean, obviously, you are a member of my program in the Savvy Social School, but also just a really smart business person. And I've been really enjoying watching you um, grow on social media and do things like launch your podcast, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, But let's start at the beginning of your journey as a coach. Um, How did you decide to pursue that as a career? Yes. So before I was a coach, I had a career as a psychotherapist. So my background is in social work and public health. And I spent about 15 years working a variety of jobs because my husband was in the Air Force. And so because we were military, we were fairly mobile. Um, So I did everything from inpatient psych, outpatient psych, hospital-based social work, community-based social work. I worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs for a while, serving veterans experiencing trauma, depression, and anxiety. And then I worked for the Air Force as a while, uh, for a while as well, first as a therapist and then more as a, a program administrator. So lots of work there. Um, our final duty assignment was in Germany, and it was 2015, and my husband and I made the decision together that it was time to move on from the Air Force and return to the United States. He bought a dental practice, and that really kind of set the wheels in motion for me to start coaching, which I didn't realize at the time. But what we discovered together is that my husband 
I mean, he's just an extraordinary clinician. He's so good at what he does and his patients adore him. And one of my favorite things is when I'm stopped at the grocery store or, you know, out in public and people are like, oh, you're Dr. McDonough's wife. He's just fabulous. He did this. It just like lights me up because he's so good at what he does. But that being said, dental school nor the Air Force prepared him to be a business owner. And that's an entirely different challenge. And so when he first bought the business, he really had to figure out how to wear both hats, how to be a clinician and be a business owner. And there was this tension that emerged when, as a result of being so good over here as a clinician and being so novice as a business owner. And that's where self-doubt emerges and uncertainty and just feeling really isolated and alone in all of that. So I was witnessing that as his spouse, as his partner, but also my therapist brain was saying, "Mm, I've seen this before. I know what this is. This is mindset stuff. I've done this work. And then I started thinking, how can I support people like my husband who are so good at what they do and yet are experiencing a pretty significant mindset challenge when it comes to building their businesses? What would that even look like? Because they don't necessarily need or want therapy, but they do want support and guidance. And so my research brought me into coaching. And that's when I started a coach training program and started my business. And that was really the beginnings. And over time, my business has continued to evolve. But really, I owe my husband a just a a huge debt of gratitude because he was really my inspiration for, for starting my coaching practice. Oh, what a story. I love the different elements of that, the the history that you bring to it with your expertise and all of the like practical real world um, examples that you have with not only your clients in the military, but your husband as well. Um, so once you started your business, um, tell me a little bit about how you started utilizing social media to kind of build that business. So I know you have started using things like Facebook groups, for instance. Um, so can you let us in a little bit there? Yes. So for the first, I would say, two years of my business, I had a Facebook business page and I had an Instagram handle and I was posting kind of sporadically. I had a blog and I would, you know, maybe share my blog articles on my Facebook page. There wasn't a whole lot of structure or order to it. I think I made the mistake that I see a lot of early coaches make, which is that if I just have the page, then people will come. And I didn't really understand that, no, you can create this platform, but that's generally not how people find you at first. A lot of times they'll find you other ways and then connect with you through those platforms, but you still have to do the work of putting yourself out there. And so... What really made the difference for me was when I decided it's time for me to use social media as a way to connect. And I think you put it so beautifully when you talk about really finding the social in social media and using it as a way to not just find clients, but actually connect with people. And so I started tailoring content that I put out really less about pay attention to my blog, pay attention to what I'm doing and more about the client and putting the spotlight where it belongs, which is on your audience. Then in, I think it was July or August of 2018, I started my first group coaching program. And in the ramp up to that, I decided I wanted to create a Facebook group to show up and serve my ideal client. And this group program was really specifically targeted at other mental health professionals who were interested in moving into coaching. Because a lot of my one-on-one work up till then had been with therapists, helping them build stronger businesses. And inevitably they would ask me, 
tell me about this coaching thing. How did you become a coach? What does that look like? And could I do that too? And I started seeing that there was an interest and a demand out there for education and support around transitioning into coaching. So that's when I started my Facebook group, From Therapy to Coaching, which led into group coaching and now a membership. But that Facebook group was really what made all the difference for me. Okay, so we have a lot of people listening to this podcast and even in the Savvy Social School who are considering starting Facebook groups. So can you tell me one of the challenges that you had initially with the group and maybe some of the success that you've seen in the group since then? Yes. I have found that there is an evolution that happens within a Facebook group and there's different stages that you will hit largely based on the number of members that you have. So when you are first starting a Facebook group, you are really going to be the one who's posting regularly, who's soliciting engagement. And so you've got to be prepared to really put the work in at the beginning to set the tone and to engage your members, whether it's through thoughtful questions or Facebook lives. And understand that for a while, it's going to feel like the Lee show or the Andrea show. But as you continue to use that as a means of connecting and as your membership grows, you're going to find kind of core members that will post independently. So they'll start asking questions. They'll start sharing experiences. And then you'll transition from feeling like you're the one doing all the posting to creating the stage where other people can start posting too. And then you hit a tipping point where it becomes more about your members posting and less about you. And that brings a whole nother set of challenges too, making sure that the posts are appropriate, that they stay within the guidelines of the group, all of those fun administrative duties that come with running a Facebook group. But Again, it evolves over time, and as your group grows, you're going to hit those different phases. But when you're first starting out, understand that there's going to be a fair amount of front-end work there to set the tone for your group and to cultivate that engagement. So what are some of the things that you've done to uh, get more members into that initial free Facebook group? I created an email opt-in that was very much connected to my Facebook group. So. I, you always want to figure out what's the core need that your ideal client has. And in my case, it was therapists saying, how do I do this? How do I start a coaching practice? So I created a PDF guide called The Therapist Guide to Starting a Coaching Practice. And I made that available. But within the PDF, the call to action was join the Facebook group. And then when I had my Facebook group, it's great that they have those screening questions to make sure that people who are requesting to join your group meet the criteria that you have. And one of my screening questions is, have you downloaded your guide? And if not, here's the link. And so the Facebook group works in both ways. It becomes a destination where people can go after they've downloaded the guide, but it's also a place where they can learn about the guide and get on your email list. So that guide I think was really responsible for my initial members finding the group. And then the other strategy I used was to show up in similar groups or sister groups and just be really generous with my knowledge. So I was an active member and, and still am an active member in a lot of Facebook groups that are for therapists. And I don't go on and promote my group directly or promote my opt-in. I go on, I use the search tool to look for keywords about the work I do, like coaching or business coaching. And then when people are asking questions, I show up with really detailed answers. And I'm 
very generous with my knowledge. What that allowed me to do was cultivate relationships with the admins for those groups and also some of the key core members of those groups that built up my visibility and my credibility. And then I started getting tagged as the go-to person for that topic. So I wasn't even searching anymore. I was getting tagged on those questions. So that's really been my strategy, both with the email opt-in and also in my presence in other groups. Show up and serve. Be generous with your knowledge. People will trust you and they'll follow up for more. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Everything about what you said about your strategy is absolutely brilliant. And those of you listening, I hope you're taking notes because there's a lot of golden nuggets in there. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your latest launch of your podcast on social media. I was watching from the sidelines cheering you on. Um, so can you let us in a little bit on the planning of launching that podcast and then how things went after it was launched? Yes. So I am the host of the Coach with Clarity podcast, which launched in early March, and I was really able to take a lot of what I learned in Savvy Social School and apply it to the launch. And again, it comes from creating some buzz, creating some engagement, interacting with people on Instagram or Facebook to find out what they most wanted to hear, what they were excited about, and so really tailoring the content so that... In some ways, it promoted engagement. In some ways, it you know asked questions. And then, of course, there was time to just flat out promote it, uh, whether that's through a post or an audiogram. Um, I also celebrated the launch on Instagram with a giveaway, which was a lot of fun. So I run a membership program that is an uh, accredited by the International Coaching Federation as a continuing coach education program. And I gave away a three-month membership as part of the launch, and I did that on Instagram. And it was so much fun. It generated buzz. Um, the person who won was absolutely thrilled, but really everybody who participated then it encouraged them to listen to the podcast, share it with their friends. And it it was just a really natural way to build buzz, but also giving back to the community as well. Yes, I love that. And I love that you found the Savvy Social School helpful. Um, So as the podcast is launched and you're kind of going about building out your membership, can you tell us a little bit about the day-to-day aspects that go into your social media strategy, maybe how you plan content or how you build connection? I'd love to just kind of pull back the curtain and go behind the scenes there. Absolutely. Well, I am a huge fan of scheduling in advance. Um, But at the same time, I don't want to feel like I'm hamstrung by a schedule either. Because sometimes something will happen in a given day and I'm like, I want to share that. I want to share that on social media. So there's some flexibility in my schedule in that I can swap things out as I need to. Or I find Instagram stories is a great way to share some of those in the moment things as well. So you can keep your post a little more curated, a little more planned, but use stories as a way to kind of build that day-to-day engagement. Um, But whether I am creating the copy myself or I work with some talented copywriters who also help me create content, I have that planned and I tend to go in two-week chunks so that Every two weeks, I know what I'm going to post on my Facebook business page and what I'm going to post on Instagram. And I'm starting to build that one for LinkedIn as well. 
I'd love to know, like, just to geek out about the tech behind it. Do you, how do you plan your post? Do you use a planner? Do you use Google Docs? How do you put it together? So I have been using Airtable lately, which is great because then I can also share it with the copywriter that I work with. And so we can kind of go back and forth with that. So Airtable is where we kind of plan out the calendar and what the content will look like. And we can even drop the images that we want to use there as well. So all of the planning happens in Airtable. And then once everything is reviewed and approved, then I can go into something like Buffer and actually schedule it out. So I find Airtable and Buffer combined are a really great way for me to plan out and schedule my content. Yes. And I'm a huge Airtable fan. Uh, For those of you listening, I recently put a video on YouTube showcasing how I use Airtable. And then inside the Savvy Social School, we've got some more um, templates and things to support that. But it is a great planning tool, especially with multiple people kind of in there. Definitely helps. Um, So what about the day-to-day when it comes to managing your online community or growing your online community? um, What does that look like for you? So I learned... I guess the hard way that I really need to schedule time to nurture and manage my community. Because before, anytime I got a notification, anytime someone requested membership, I was in there, I was responding immediately. And sometimes, especially early on when you're first starting, you do want to be present more often because that's how you connect with people and you can welcome them into the group and they feel like they're a part of it from the get-go. But as you grow, and right now my Facebook group is approaching 2,100 members, it becomes more difficult to do that instantaneously. And so I have found that I need to block off time in my calendar to dedicate to the management of that group and to connecting with members. So that's what I do now. I have roughly an hour a day, give or take, some days a little more, some days a little less, but roughly an hour a day. And that's my time to manage my own community and participate in other communities as well. So if people have requested membership, I can look at the screening questions and accept them if they're if they meet criteria, which for me, because it's a group for therapists, I do want to make sure that they're mental health professionals. Um, That's really the main screener that I have. And then it also gives me time to send a personal message to the people who've joined, welcoming them, dropping a link to the opt-in, and asking them if they have any questions so that maybe I can provide them with an additional resource to get them going. So it's another way of connecting with my people. Every week, I do a welcome post where I welcome my new members, and I've given them the heads up, hey, check your Facebook messages. I've reached out because as you know, sometimes those Facebook messages get kind of filed into that other realm and don't get seen for a while. So I'm triggering my new members to check their Facebook messages. And again, it's all about connection, building rapport, and showing up and serving them. So whether it's the free content within the Facebook group, I have a lot of documents in the files section. I go live a fair amount, so I've got plenty of videos. And then I also have some offline resources that I can share as well. So that's what kind of the the day-to-day management looks like. And then I also have time where I can go into those Facebook groups that I'm a part of and just kind of see what's going on and use that search bar again for those keywords and just make sure that I'm, I'm there and being a supportive presence for people. I love the amount of value that you give, not only with your content, but how you're showing up for your members and for other Facebook groups as well. I think that's a key part of your strategy that really highlights your your giving 
uh, qualities. And I think it just gives people a little bit of a taste of what they'll get when they get into the membership. Um, Now, I want to ask about a question um, because we have a couple of clients who are life coaches as well on the agency side. And one of the challenges that we run into is uh, managing expectations for those individuals who are expecting to get coaching through direct messages. Um, So we have a few ways we do it, but I would love to know your insights and if you've ever experienced that where someone's really asking personal questions and they need that one-on-one support, but direct messages is not the place for that. Um, So how, how do you navigate that? Well, I think first and foremost, showing up from a place of compassion, understanding that they're reaching out because they're struggling. Like there's some, there's a challenge that they're facing. They need support and to view it as an honor that they're reaching out to me or to you, because that means that they know us, they trust us, and they view us as someone who can help. So I like to start from a place of assuming the positive, and that helps me then engage with them. And it starts first from empathizing and reflecting back. It sounds like you're dealing with a lot. The fact that you're going through X makes a lot of sense. This isn't something I am really equipped to help you with in a direct message. This might be more appropriate for an initial consult call. So I'd love to kind of maybe discuss this with you further. Why don't you get on my calendar? So then I can let them know like, yeah, I'm here. I hear you. I want to support you. Let's do it in a way that's actually going to work well for both of us. So then they can get on my calendar. It's usually 20 or 30 minutes. And from there, a lot of times people just need to feel heard. They need to have a space to release it. And so if I can do that, if I can make them feel heard and normalize where they're coming from, that goes a long way. And from there, it's becomes my responsibility to assess whether it's the right time to invite them into a different way of working with me. If they're in a state of crisis or they need to go take care of some stuff, I'm going to suggest we circle back in the future and just kind of trust that the timing's going to work out. But for a lot of my clients, the next logical step, if they're reaching out to me because they need help with their coaching business, the next logical step is to invite them into the membership from a place of support and service, letting them know you're not alone. In fact, I run a community of coaches who are just like you, who are not just facing these challenges, but overcoming them. And I think you would be a great fit. So if you'd like to learn more about that, I'm happy to do so. But I only do that after I've had the opportunity, again, to show up and serve. Service is one of my core values. So I'm always going to start there. And then it feels much more natural to sell. Once you've served first and then you go towards the sale, for me, it just, it's an aligned approach to it. Yes. Beautiful. I love everything about that. And I think that, again, your your ability to give and to serve just shows up in the work that you do. Um, it's, it's kind of like the analogy where, um, you know, if someone keeps saying like, oh, I'm so humble, I'm so humble. Are they really humble? We don't know. But if you can show instead of tell, there's like the impact is so much bigger and the and the way that you can describe what you're doing, you don't have to like say it so much. I, I just love every single piece of that. All right. So we have some coaches who are listening or even people who may be considering becoming a coach. And I know you have a really cool quiz that I took myself. So can you tell us a little bit about the quiz and how we can discover our coaching superpower? I would be happy to. And I have to tell you, I am a quiz junkie. I just love taking online quizzes. It's so fun. And so when I thought about, well, how do I want to engage with people? Naturally, a quiz was the first thing I wanted to do. So I created a quiz all about discovering your coaching superpower. So I believe there are five 
basic types of coaches out there. And so when you take the quiz at coachingquiz.com, you'll learn which type you are, what your natural strengths are, and also the pitfalls that you'll need to be on the lookout for in your coaching journey. So coachingquiz.com, it's like seven questions, two minutes. And the feedback I've received is that it's kind of scary how insightful and accurate it is. And so I would welcome any coach or aspiring coach to check out the quiz at coachingquiz.com. Yes. And I took it as well. I was just trying to look up what I what results I got and I couldn't remember, but I remember reading it and being like, oh, oh yeah, that is me. <laughs> um, and I'm not like a certified coach or anything, um, but I, coaching is a big part of what I do anyways. Um, Absolutely. So, I love that. Thank you so much, Lee, for joining us today. This has been a really fantastic call. I have just had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Wasn't that awesome? Lee is just absolutely fantastic. I love chatting with her. For all of the links that we mentioned in this episode, head on over to the show notes. That's onlinedrea.com slash 101101. And you can find links to that and basically anything that we talked about in this episode, including some of the freebies, uh, her quiz that she mentioned. So definitely check that out. And thanks so much for joining me today. Now, if you love the show, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. That's how other people find us and we can get more lovely people in our community. See you next week on the show. Christy Cooper is going to be joining us. She's a graphic designer. We're going to talk all about social media and graphics. So I'll see you then. Bye for now.